In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, What if I told you that there was one thing you could do each week that was almost guaranteed, almost guaranteed, to make you happier, almost guaranteed to make you healthier? What if that same thing was highly likely to ensure that your children would be happier and healthier, both in their teen years and when they grew up as an adult? Would you do it? Over the last few years, researchers at Harvard University have discovered one of the absolute most powerful things that people can do to help ensure good outcomes to their lives. It will make them happier, healthier, less susceptible to disease, less likely to be depressed. Now, let's be clear. This research is utterly necessary because mental health and physical health in the United States of America is in a startling bad place. Let's take suicide, for example. From 2010 to 2018, the rate of suicide in the United States of America increased by 35%. 35%. In 2020, 46,000 people took their own lives. And that means that every single day in the United States of America, 126 people die by suicide. It's the second leading cause of death for those under the age of 35. In 2019, more than one in three high school students had experienced depression, basically persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness. That was a 40% increase over the 10 years prior in 2009. In 2019, one in six young people reported making a suicide plan, and that was a 44% increase since 2009. From 1990 to 2015, the number of cardiovascular deaths, deaths from things like heart attacks, rose by 42%. Now, let's say that there was a vitamin. We'll call it vitamin H, H for happy, H for healthy, that if you could take it, could do the following things. One, reduce your chance of dying in any single year from every and any cause by 33%. (laughs) Lower your risk of dying from cardiovascular disease. Lower your risk of dying from cancer. If you're a woman, taking vitamin H once a week would lower your risk of dying from what the researchers call deaths of despair. So deaths of despair are things like suicide or a death from cirrhosis of the liver from drinking too much or a death from drug overdose. If you're a woman, taking vitamin H once a week would lower your risk of dying from a death of despair by 60 Eight percent. If you're a man, taking vitamin H would lower your risk of dying a death of despair by 33%. If you're a teenager, taking vitamin H once a week would make you 18 more percent more likely to be happy by the time you reach 18 years of age. Once again, if you're a teenager, taking vitamin H weekly would make you 33% less likely to be taking drugs by the time you reach 18 years of age. 
If you're a teenager, taking vitamin H would make you 40% less likely to have an STI by the time you're 18. Vitamin H has no bad side effects. Safe to give to everyone, babies, children, middle-aged people, elderly. Moreover, vitamin H, let's just say it's free on street corners all across the United States of America. Now, if you get your hand, if you could get your hands on vitamin H, if you existed, would you take it? I probably would, right? If you could get your hands on vitamin H and give it to your children, would you give it to your children? I would certainly give that to my children, right? I think most of you would do that as well. Guess what? Vitamin H exists. Remember when I said that researchers at Harvard University had found one thing that could lead to all these positive outcomes? This is Harvard University, by the way, a secular institution. You know what that is? Going to church every week. These researchers at Harvard University have found that going to church makes you far less likely to be depressed, far more likely to be happy, far less likely to be sick, far more likely to be healthy, and even of all things, far less likely to die in any single year. And they've gone so far as to say that this is not just correlation, okay? So it's not just a correlated thing that's happening. They say that it's a causal thing, that, that there is a causal link between weekly church attendance and all of these benefits to, to heart, to mind, to body. Brothers and sisters in Christ, my point for this sermon is simple. I want you to come away from this sermon with the resolve to be more consistent in your worship and your prayer life so that you might flourish as part of God's flock. That you might flourish in this life and above all in the life to come. Now, this is not what I'm saying here, okay? I'm not one of these slick guys that you're going to see on TV or hear on the radio that says, oh, if you only have enough faith, well, you're going to have a bunch of zeros in your bank account, and you're never going to have conflict. You're always going to do well on your job, and you're going to be healed of whatever disease you have. I'm not saying that at all. It's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is this. Is that we were made to live in a relationship with God. And we were made to live in a relationship with God's people. And, and as we see receive God's gifts... His gift above all of his gospel, the message of forgiveness, life, and salvation through Jesus Christ, this does not leave us unchanged. It fills something in us that we need. And that as we gather together as God's people, hearing of what a life of love looks like, and we were made as people, we were made to love. We were made to love and be loved 
by God. We were made to love and be loved in relationship with others. As in church, we come to understand more and more and little by little what that life of love for God looks like and what that life of love in relationship with our neighbor looks like. Well, then it's just the natural result that we're going to flourish little and little and more by more in this life. And above all, we'll flourish in the life to come. And that's my will for you. As a part of God's flock, you might flourish. Uh, those statistics that I cited are certainly disheartening, aren't they? They're, they're shocking. And really, this should lead the leaders of our society to take a good, hard look at the way they are leading our society, whether these are the, the pillars of media or the pillars of government or the pillars of you know, lifestyle gurus, whatever it might be, it should lead them to give themselves a good hard look, these people who are the funnels through which we receive information, the, the people who manage our civil affairs, whether through laws or the enforcement of laws and so on. Sadly, because so many of our leaders are so puffed up, they just simply go along this way, which is leading to destruction. But in a sense, what is new is old, and what is old is new. Because in the book of Ezekiel, we have a very similar circumstance. Today, in Ezekiel, in our Old Testament lesson, God is calling out the leaders of the Old Testament people. Israel. He is calling out their leaders because they have failed in their God-given duties to see to the well-being of the people. God had laid into the mouths of the prophets His Word. And they were called to give testimony to God's Word and to return the people time and time and time again back to the laws that the Lord had given at Sinai. His laws which were to be a light, and above all these laws which testified to the grace of God, a, a grace that was earned in time to come by the work of Jesus Christ. God had entrusted to the priests the duty to see to it that the people would be taught the word of God and would be led faithfully in the worship of the one true God. And yet the priests were failing in those God-given responsibilities as well. Civil leaders, they were given the duty to ensure that fair laws were being enforced, that measures would be true that food would be sold unadulterated, that the evildoers would be punished and well-doers be rewarded so that the people might thrive, so that, that 
commerce might thrive and people be able to receive the goods that they needed for the sustenance of themselves and their families so that people could make a life for themselves. And, and we need structure in society. We need laws. We need these things to be predictable in order for us to conduct commerce effectively. And the leaders of Israel, they were failing. They were failing. They enjoyed all the benefits of their prominent position. Yet they failed to serve the people. So they were trampling down the good pastures. They were muddying the waters. The spiritual leaders were adulterating the food of God's word with false teaching. They were muddying the life-giving waters of the true worship of the one true God. The civil leaders were muddying the fields of everyday life, of civil life. Israel suffered. Suffering. So God says through the prophet Ezekiel, enough. Enough of this. These civil leaders have failed. These spiritual leaders have failed. And so, because of this, the time is coming when I, I myself, will shepherd my people. I I myself will lead them to good pastures, and I, I myself will bring them to good, pure, clean waters, and I, I myself will protect the people from all which threatens them, and I myself will gather all these people scattered abroad and bring them unto myself so that they might flourish. As part of my flock. And this prophecy, brothers and sisters in Christ, has been fulfilled. It has been fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who has gathered his people in. Unlike those civil leaders of old and sadly so many of our leaders today. Jesus Christ, instead of fattening himself at others' expense, instead sacrificed of himself for the sake of others. For the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Having laid down his life for the sake of the sheep, he is therefore made us pure, made us holy. He has earned us the forgiveness of our sins through His most holy and precious blood shed for us and His life given for us so that when we hear Him calling, we do not hear the voice of a stern judge, but rather we hear the gentle voice of a loving Shepherd, And we no longer flee fearing judgment, but rather we are gladly gathered in by his gospel message 
of free forgiveness and unending grace and mercy. And having been gathered into his flock, we therefore are led by him in paths of righteousness, as it says in Psalm 23. Having shown us in his holy life, in his atoning death, what a life of love looks like, we follow him to lead lives of love towards God and lives of love towards our neighbor. And this is what we offer here at St. Peter's Lutheran Church. This is why the Lord uses his holy people, his flock so that we might together flourish under God's care as our shepherd. Because there are two keys to the flourishing of Christians. The key of God's grace and mercy, the gospel, and the key of his law shows us what a life of love looks like. And this is something that we need now more than ever. ever. We offer here, our currency here at St. Peter's Lutheran Church is forgiveness. It is grace. It is mercy. If there is one thing that I would put my finger on to say that this is why, the fundamental reason why Christians tend to have these happier, healthier lives. It's the knowledge of that forgiveness, the knowledge of that grace, the knowledge of God's unending love for them in Christ Jesus. That's a breath of fresh air in a world that is choking people with expectations of perfection and expectations of civil righteousness that can ultimately never be fulfilled and no forgiveness for those who transgress the world's expectations. Do you notice that in a lot of those statistics, kind of a, a year that came up again and again was the year 2009 as kind of a, a place where health started declining both, both physically and mentally. Uh, actually, if you go look at the statistics, that was kind of useful because that was like 10 years, 2009 to 2019. Um, this is documentable, by the way, that the teenage mental well-being, teenage mental health began to fall off a cliff two years earlier, especially, especially for young women. Do you know what happened in the year 2007? The iPhone came out. I don't think that's a coincidence. Social media has many blessings. The internet has many wonderful things that can be gained from it. Yeah, I don't think that it's a coincidence that is a year when we saw things falling off a cliff. Teenage years, they're, they're tough years, right? 
And if you think back to your teenage years, what was probably one of the most difficult things to do? To meet the expectations of what your peers thought was cool or acceptable or popular. That's tough. I didn't play that game very well at all. God has a sense of humor. I married the prom queen. I don't know how this guy ended up marrying the prom queen. This is God's sense of humor here. Did not do that at well at all. Now let's imagine that your peers are no longer the 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 kids in your class at school. But now your peers are everybody on the internet, everybody on Instagram, everybody on TikTok. And what's the manna there in order to get those clicks, in order to get those likes is perfection. You gotta do it right. You gotta do the dance moves right. You gotta get the perfect angles of your selfies just right. You gotta tell the right stories about yourself and about your life. Utter, absolute perfection. And any crack in the facade is going to be criticized, evaluated. And that's just the cracks. What about the utter failures? <laughs> the breakdowns? The times that, that you just screw up very likely there's someone sitting there recording that right the internet never forgets imagine growing up with that kind of pressure where the expectations are so high and always changing and you're never sure exactly where it's going to fit and how you're going to be received and knowing that if you don't meet those expectations everybody's going to see it that's pressure that's incredible pressure. That's not to even mention all the downright insanity which this is a portal to. Now, now we take this seriously in the Jackson household. If, if you talk to, to my kids, they'll say that we're among the very strictest when it comes uh, to these sorts of things with young people. I'm not giving this information to you to say I'm some amazing parent. I have many foibles, many failures as a parent, but I'm just saying that this is something I do take seriously. I mean what I say here. And we've, we've allowed various forms of social media little by little as they've gotten older, but, but only very, very cautiously. What I'm saying is this. That whole social media dynamic, it's just on turbocharge what the world has always done. The world has always been in the practice of, of setting up all kinds of strange structures by which people can, can gain honor or or lose it and gain dishonor and disrepute. And the world is not in the business of forgiveness. That's choking. That's suffocating. What we here at St. Peter's Lutheran Church offer is something very different. First of all, we offer a standard that never changes. 
the law of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We know what the law of God is. It's, it's summarized in the Ten Commandments. And we certainly hold people accountable to that. But what we offer here is forgiveness. That's our currency. What we offer here is mercy. What we offer here is, is love and acceptance. Not even to sinners, but especially for sinners. If you're not a sinner, you have no business being here. We offer what the world does not give. We offer something that even the world thinks is wicked to give. You give forgiveness even to people like that. People like this. Yes. Gladly. And the knowledge that in Christ one's misdeeds, one's follies, one's sins are as far from you as the east is from the west that is life giving and the knowledge that nothing we can do can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus for God's greatest act of love is our redemption from sin that I believe fills a hole in our hearts all of us have. As St. Augustine said, our hearts were made for thee, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. We offer the gospel. And we also offer the law. The law drives us to the cross as we understand that we need redemption. Once we have received the gospel, we have received the internal desire to love the Lord and to love the neighbor. The law guides us. The law shows us what a life of love towards our neighbor looks like. As we follow the Ten Commandments gladly and willingly out of internal desire rather than out of external compulsion. And you and I we were made to live in God's love we were made to live in relationships of love with our neighbor. And so it's not a surprise at all to me that here, as those who gather week by week receive vitamin H, are more likely to have these flourishing, this flourishing in this life, and above all in the life to come, as God's perfect will is fulfilled for us when we are perfected and glorified in heaven. So my brothers and sisters in Christ, let me ask you, knowing this, knowing that what we offer here is so valuable, how will your life be different? How will you make more ready use of God's word and sacrament? How will you participate with God in his co-mission? It's God's mission to seek and save those scattered abroad, but he brings us in along with him in that mission. How will you participate in that mission of God to, to bring in the scattered sheep of God's people? 
How will you apply the word of God more and more in your life so that you can lead a life of love towards others, a life that will lead to your flourishing and the flourishing of others? But above all, brothers and sisters in Christ, my desire is for you to know this, that in Christ you have a loving shepherd desires nothing more for you to be a part of his flock. It's that message that can change your life now and forever and change the lives of others as well. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.